Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Good morning, good morning. Well, as Pastor Jonathan said last week, we had uh, Paul Herkman from Venture come. And if you missed that message, it was so good. So please go to our Facebook page, go to YouTube, go to Spotify, give that a listen. I'm just so thankful that we have people like Paul Herkman who are going to the most unreached places, reaching the most unreached people, the most lost people. And I'm very grateful that we have a church who supports people like Paul, who supports things like venture. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but you're amazing. This church is phenomenal. And I'm just so thankful that when I was a junior at Warburg College that I decided to accept the invitation to come here on a Sunday morning and then to get involved with Joy and Drew Mummify's college ministry at the time. And I'm very grateful that at the time my boyfriend came with me because he's now my husband and we have a little girl, Hazel May, that we get to raise in this church amongst all you amazing people. So I am grateful. And as you know, Thanksgiving is this Thursday, so I'm sure a lot of us will be, you know, dressing up our best and taking the nice family photo and posting on social media how grateful we are for our families. Uh, but then maybe your son won't put on that shirt that you picked out for him. Or maybe, you know, you, you bake the beans a little too long and they get burnt. Or maybe you are on your way to the in-laws and your car won't work. I'm not, I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying that it's holiday time and crazy things happen, right? We may be celebrating a season of gratitude and of thankfulness, but I wonder how many of us will actually walk around with gratitude and thankfulness in our hearts. I wonder how many of us will face some hard things and choose gratefulness this holiday season instead of ungratefulness. And last weekend, we took a group of uh, youth and youth leaders to fall conference, and I just want to take a moment to honor our youth leaders. Can we just give them a round of applause this morning for their faithfulness to our youth and the next generation? They make more of an impact than they even know, and every single Wednesday they are faithfully serving. So yes, they last weekend we went to fall conference, as I was saying, um, but a really cool moment was I was emceeing with this other youth pastor, and he came up to me. It was like a Friday-Saturday thing, and this guy came up to me on Saturday, and he's like, hey, do you have a minute? I'd love to talk to you and your husband if you, you know, just have like one minute to give me, and so we got to chat on Saturday evening, and he said, on Friday night during the session, during conference, uh, I really felt like God was pressing a word on my heart, and that word was pleased. He, he, he was pressing this word for you, I believe that God is pleased. And then on Saturday, you know, I meant to tell, tell you on Friday, and on Saturday I was praying during another session, and I was like, God, what was that word again that you wanted me to share with Pastor Madison and Tyler? And the word satisfied came to mind. And what he told me, this other youth pastor, is he said, I believe that God is satisfied with you. I believe that he is satisfied and so I don't know if there's any striving, I don't know if there's any worry, I don't know if there's any comparison, but you should be satisfied. You should be satisfied with your marriage. You should be satisfied with your family. You should be satisfied with your youth ministry. You should be 
satisfied. And that was a brilliant word because I think a lot of us are living unsatisfied or ungrateful lives. And I think a lot of that has to do with the message that society tells us because all the time we hear about how we should do more, how we should be more, how we should strive more. There's always more out there. The world's always telling us that. So it's very easy to become ungrateful for what we do have. But I would be willing this morning to tell you that the very essence of evil, the very essence of evil is the failure to be grateful or satisfied with God. The very essence of evil is the failure to be grateful or satisfied with God. If you're not, gra- if you're not grateful to God, you're not going to appreciate what he does for you. And time and time again, you can look in the word. It's proven. Adam and Eve, they were ungrateful. What God gave them wasn't enough. So then they took matters into their own hands and tried to get what they wanted. Cain was ungrateful. He killed his brother. King David was ungrateful. He lusted after another man's woman. And then he broke over half the Ten Commandments. Abraham and Sarah were ungrateful. God promised that he was going to give them a child But they didn't get it when they wanted to, so they took matters into their own hands, and Abraham ended up sleeping with another woman to get the result that they wanted. They were ungrateful. Israel, the people of Israel, they were ungrateful. They asked Aaron to to build a golden calf. Judas was ungrateful. He chose worthless riches, even though he was in the presence of the richest man in history. I could go on and on and on. The very essence of evil is the failure to be grateful or satisfied with God, because here's why. If you are ungrateful, if you are not grateful to God, you are going to seek after other things and elevate them above God. So if you're ungrateful for what's in your bank account, you'll always want more in it. If you're ungrateful for your spouse, you're going to go look for another one. If you're ungrateful for your kids, you're going to wish away different seasons of their life. If you're ungrateful for your job, You're going to hate going to work every single day. And if you are ungrateful to God, what he does and what he says for you will never be enough. And so I'm going to go through some things this morning. And I just want to say that if you're in this room and you are not a follower of Jesus, this message 100% applies to you. Because what I'm about to tell you is scientifically proven. Okay? It's scientifically proven. And so every single person in this room, this message is for. So this morning, today... I am going to tell you the 10 best things, the 10 most effective ways, the 10 most powerful things that you can do to live an ungrateful life. And I'm just saying, if you tune out for little bits of this message, you're going to think, I'm, I'm messed up, okay? Because if, if, if you're tuning in online and you only log in for like a minute, Pastor Jonathan, please, I beg you, if you're watching this message, you got to watch the whole thing, otherwise you're going to want to fire me, okay? You can't just take tidbits of this message, otherwise it's going to sound really, really bad, all right? So everybody's got to lock in the whole time. But before we go any further, I want to pray over us all this morning. Oh, God, you're such a good God. God, thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together. Thank you for this church. Thank you for... Uh, just your presence. Thank you for your glory, God. I love the songs that we sang this morning because they are perfect for this week. And God, I just pray that as the rest of the service unfolds, that every single human in this room would step out of the way to what you want to do. Give me the words to speak, and I'm, and I'm just a steward, God, so use me as you wish. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so 10 things. Number one, if you want to live 
an ungrateful life, you should keep a record of wrong. It will never fail you. If you keep a tally on anything anyone has ever done to hurt you, you will be ungrateful. So instead of focusing on how your husband takes out the trash, you should really keep a tally of every time he forgets to put a bag in, a new bag. Tyler does that all the time, my husband. But, you know, I want to live a grateful life, so I don't keep a tally, right? I have learned to thank my husband every time he takes out the trash, and I silently get out that new bag, and I put it in without saying anything. Because the alternative is that I could stand there and, and nag about it, and then neither one of us will ever want to take out the trash, and so we'll just have a heaping pile of garbage that nobody ever wants to take out. So I'm going to be thankful for what he does. And 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's point number one. Simple as that. They're short and sweet. Number two, if you want to live an ungrateful life, you should not be part of a church. If you want to live an ungrateful life, you should not be part of a church. As you can see, you, you know what I meant when I said, Pastor Jonathan, please listen to the whole message, okay? So, so Tyler and I am I should say I, I was married into it. Tyler is a big Tennessee Titans fan, okay? And by marriage, I am as well. And so we watch a lot of football. And saying, you know, well, I just, I, I want to love Jesus, but I don't want to be part of a church. That's like saying, well, I want to play NFL football, but I don't want to be on a professional team, okay? It does not make any sense at all. Or this might offend people. Honestly, it might offend you. Please don't take it offensively. I, I, I'm not trying to step on any toes. Okay, maybe I am. But uh, what if I went up to you and I said, hey, you're really great. You're really awesome. I like you a lot, but I cannot stand your wife. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. That's, that's not good, right? But that's exactly what we're telling God when we put down the church. Every time we dismiss, demean, or complain about the church, we do that because we are his bride. It says it over and over again in Scripture. And I'm reading The Purpose Driven Life right now by Rick Warren. It's a great book. And I came across this line that I wanted to share. In this book, he says, if you are not part of a church, you are either ignorant or you're arrogant. You cannot grow in isolation. And the number one thing that God wants you to grow in is love. That's the number one thing he wants you to grow in. But you cannot do that if you are not surrounded by people that are different from you, even difficult people, okay? In the church, we are a witness of what, of what God is, of who God is, that he is working, that he's moving, that he's real. And Jesus in the word says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Okay, the Christian life is more than just being committed to Jesus. The Christian life is also about being committed to other Christians, being committed to each other. That's why we're given the most important commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I get it. Again, maybe seven on toes. I get it. For those that want to watch online, if you, if you physically have to do that, that is, that's, that's great. But let me ask you this. If I gave you front row tickets to an NFL game, would you tell me I could just watch it on TV? No, you would not. You would take those tickets and run, okay? You can have a front, look at this. You can have a front row seat here every single week. It is, it is a totally different experience when you are physically in the room with a community of other believers, a community of other Christians. So if you're looking for a sign to get your butt in church consistently, here's your sign. All right. Number three, if you want to live an ungrateful life, you should have unrealistic expectations. You should have unrealistic expectations. 
You know, when I first started in ministry over a couple years ago now, um, I would sometimes come home and I would be very uh, upset. I'm, I, I preach to middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students. Sometimes I would be very upset of how the kids responded or how they reacted, or, you know, how they were acting and stuff. And then I realized that sometimes kids are little squirrels, okay? And so when I lowered my expectation and I was able to laugh at the fact that someone farted during my sermon, I was way more happy, okay? Don't take yourself so seriously all the time, okay? It's great to have standards, Okay, standards are, are, are phenomenal. But sometimes, if you want to have those standards, you got to spell out those standards, okay? Because otherwise, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment. When Tyler and I were in marriage counseling, before we got married, we spelled out what roles in the house that we would, that we would take on once we got married. And it has helped us so much. Because otherwise, you're going to build up this idea in your head, and he's not going to know the plans that you have in your own mind. You might be able to read his mind some of the time, but he cannot read yours, okay? And this also applies to gifts. Let me help you out, please. It's holiday season, okay, this, for gifts. You know, you're buying gifts for people. You're getting gifts or whatever. If you want something, please just say it, okay? you got to tell them. Make a list or something. One year, I told Tyler, my husband, I said, I want stuff for our garden, can you, can you get me stuff for our garden? The man got 99-cent seed packets, and he hid them around our house. <laughs> and so from that point on, I started making a list with direct links to everything that I wanted. I said, stick to the list. It, it won't fail you, okay? Sometimes you got to spell it out. In the Bible, when Abraham and Sarah were told by God that they would have a child, I, I alluded to this earlier, they had the expectation that it was going to happen sooner than what God had planned. So they got frustrated and Sarah and, you know, Abraham, they had a baby, but it was because Abraham had it with another woman. We do crazy, wild things when we have unrealistic expectations. It just happens naturally. So talk to God about your unmet expectations. Talk to God before you go to ungratefulness. And I promise you, if you give it time, God is going to exceed those expectations. All right, number four. If you want to live an ungrateful life, you should stay distracted. Just make yourself really busy to avoid any emptiness, any void that you have in your heart. Sign up for everything. Be overly involved. Don't have any margin in your life. Don't ever take a Sabbath. I guarantee that you will be ungrateful. I absolutely loathe entirely, okay, quoting the Grinch, loathe entirely when people say, I am too busy. No, you make time for what is important. You do. And if you're so busy and so distracted that you don't make time for yourself and you don't make time for God, that is telling me that you don't think you or God is important. It's just the truth. And the world's going to tell you, you know, nonstop, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. But you can do that. The, the result of that is going to be overwhelm and burnout. But God encourages, encourages us to Sabbath and to rest. And the result of that is peace with ourselves and peace with who God is. Just last week, Pastor Jonathan came into my office. I must have looked tired or something. He said, hey, next week I want you to take some time off. Okay? Some of us need to just take a step back and have some margin in our life. And I know maybe, maybe some of you were like, okay, that's great for you. I don't have any vacation. I don't have any time. It's not that easy. I have way more kids than you. That's, that's fine. You have a moment that you can take to have some margin. You have a moment for Sabbath. Just last week. I needed a moment. I dropped off Hazel. Tyler went to work. Before I came into work, I went out into the timber behind our house. 
And I just took a breath, and out loud I started talking to God. Don't be so distracted that you don't have time for what is important. All right, number five. If you want to live an ungrateful life, you should mostly pray about yourself. Sometimes, you know, I said I work with middle school, high school, college students. Sometimes I hear students say, I'm just not feeling anything. Like, I just don't feel God. And what I say is the good thing is that we don't go off of our feelings. We go off of his faithfulness. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, the Lord himself goes before you. He's with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. So don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Too many of us are so consumed with how we don't feel anything during a service. Or we say worship or whatever, or the message isn't working. And I think a lot of the times we are looking to consume for ourselves and feel good rather than help and pray for other people. And we like to ruminate on our problems rather than ask God to help us be the solution. That'll preach right there. So with youth on Wednesday night, I will miss a moment if I'm praying more about my feelings than I am a student's faith. And we were at a fall conference, and one of the sessions, a speaker, his name's Micah Mack, he preached. And he talked about when, when he was a teen at his youth group. And he said him and his friend, every single week they would go to youth group, and they looked at each other and they said, who is one person that we know that if they came to know Jesus would change the whole school, would change the whole youth group, would change the whole ministry? Who is one person? And every single week, him and his friend, they would pray for that one person. It was, it was the prom king of the school, the popular guy at school. Every single week, they would pray for him. Every single week, they would invite this guy. And time and time again, the guy would decline. Nope, I'm too busy. Nope, I got sports. No, I got homework. No, I got my girl. All these things until one Wednesday, he finally agreed to come to a service. And what stuck out to me, that's a great story. I mean, he got saved. He knows Jesus. He's raised over a million dollars for um, a partnership with Venture, actually. And that's amazing. But what stuck out to me from that story was Micah Mack, instead of saying, woe is me, God, why are you not using me? Why do I not, you know, why is the school not looking the way that I want it to? Why is my youth group not looking the way that it wanted to? Why, 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 why not me? He said, I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to pray for somebody for God to use mightily. And he did that. Too many, too many people are whining and not enough people are working. So pray about other people. Number six, if you want to live an ungrateful life, be really materialistic. View everything as yours. Always want more. Keep buying more things. Keep putting yourself in debt. I guarantee you will be ungrateful. We've been, you know, talking, we've been going through a series, the Beyond Blessed series. You guys, we don't own anything. We are, we are stewards of it. And Jesus, when he was here, 11 out of his 39 parables, they were about possessions and money. Finances and possessions are Jesus' most talked about topic Money is important because it is a heart issue. And one guy that we read about in the Bible, he's like, hey, Jesus, I want, I want to follow you. I really like you. And Jesus' response is, okay, then go sell everything. But the guy wouldn't do it because he was too materialistic. But the money that we have in our wallet, it has no intrinsic value. It is worth what the government says that it is worth. And the enemy wants you to fall in love with that. So you will become a slave to it. But Matthew 6.24 says we can't serve two masters. 
Money is not your master. And you will never be truly grateful if you put so much weight to materialism. And now that I'm a, I'm a mom, a lot of times when you're a parent, I don't know if other parents can relate, but you have these flashbacks of your childhood, just little things that your parents did that, that stick out to you when you, you know, become a, a parent. And what mattered most when I look back on those, you know, I had those flashbacks, I, don't, I did not care if my dad had the most successful year of business. I did not care if my mom got the promotion. What I cared about was the quality time that I spent with my parents. And your family is the greatest ministry that you will ever have. And I can say that because I minister to students and I see the brokenness of home lives and of families and how that has an effect on the kids. And if we would just get our most important ministry right, the world would look a lot different. So don't be so focused on materialism that you miss moments because your kids do not care about the material things as much as you think that they do. Number seven, if you want to live an ungrateful life, don't look back on what God has done for you. Don't look back. This is a powerful thing. There's a story in the Bible that talks about ten people with leprosy and illness and sickness. And Jesus healed all of them. They didn't, they didn't deserve it. He healed all ten. But only one out of the ten came back to thank God and give him praise for healing them. There was an extra healing for this tenth leper. And when that, when that one came back to thank God, to praise God, Jesus said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And he likely was talking about God's work within that man's heart. Because the other lepers, all of them, they had whole bodies, the nine, but they had sick hearts. And I wonder how many of us are walking around with whole bodies but sick hearts. You can have a grateful life with many blessings, but if you are not grateful for those blessings, you're going to miss them. Remember to look back on what God has done for you. Number eight, if you want to live an ungrateful life, be cynical of other people. Assume the worst of them. Blame other people for everything. Don't trust anyone. Usually cynical people have been hurt. They have a hard time trusting people. If, if you're cynical, you probably have roots in fear and anxiety. But the dangerous thing is that what you think about the people around you is what you'll begin to think about God. And you may think that you're being, you know, you're being protective and you're being logical, but really you're just building up a negative frame of mind for yourself. And I always tell our youth leaders, I say, there is always a reason why a kid is the way that they are. There is always a reason why people are the way that they are. You don't know what was done to them behind closed doors. You don't know what was said to them an hour ago. You don't know the thoughts that run through their mind because of a negative word somebody spoke over their life. There is always a reason why people are the way that they are. So ask God for a bigger perspective. And when you begin to have these cynical and negative thoughts, these doubtful thoughts in your mind, naturally it's going to flow out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12, Luke 6. So as soon as you catch yourself saying those negative things, shut it down. Tyler and I, a few months ago, we found ourselves being very negative. We'd come home and we'd start talking about all the, the bad things that happened that day instead of the good things. So we developed a code word. 
Every time one of us said something negative, the other one would have to say the code word and the conversation would shut down. And we made ours lighthearted. Our code word, it was Blue's Clues. I don't know why, because we're weird probably, but it was Blue's Clues. I would encourage you not to use like a, a be quiet or a stop, okay? Something lighthearted would be good, otherwise you're just gonna probably get more mad. But be careful about the stories that you are writing in your mind because it's gonna flow out. Number nine, if you want to live an ungrateful life, live offended. Live offended. This one is going to, again, step on toes, but I'm tired of a culture that's playing victim constantly. Too many people are being offended. All you got to do is hop on Facebook to see that. And a lot of the time, the people with a victim mentality, they have trauma from their past. And I'm sorry if that's you this morning. But can I tell you that God's solution to a victim mentality is to face your past and to deal with it, not sulk in it. Jesus had every right to have a victim mentality, yet he chose to humbly serve, to joyfully suffer for those who afflicted him. And what I find with people who have a victim mentality is that they magnify the harm done to them and they minimize their own sinfulness. People are not out to get you. People are not thinking about you as much as you think that they are. And if you're offended by someone, do something about it. And I'm not talking about getting in an argument on Facebook, okay? I love what Paul said last week. He said nobody was ever saved over a Facebook life. Let your life speak louder than any status update. And the last one, number 10, if you want to live an ungrateful life, be entitled. I was listening to a sermon a few weeks ago and Nathan Finocchio, he was preaching and he said, I think we mostly see God as love, but God is called holy over 400 times in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, he's called love twice. But it almost seems like the reverse is true. We talk about how God is love, and so we almost paint God like he's this desperate boyfriend. Like we can do whatever we want, we can sin, we can mess up because God's gonna forgive us. We don't have to be grateful, he's gonna chase us. We, we can pick and choose what scripture we wanna apply to our lives. But this guy talked about how God is first holy. And he is so committed to his holiness that he was willing to send his son to die for that. You're not entitled to anything. God is not a desperate boyfriend. He is holy. He's a king. And you will never be satisfied if you feel entitled. 2 Corinthians 5.15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. God owes you nothing. So get off your high horse and maybe get on a donkey like Jesus. If you don't see yourself in scripture and you only see people that you are annoyed with in scripture, maybe you've got some pride and entitlement to work through. When I was at fall conference last week, a lot came out of this weekend. There was a pastor that came up on stage and he said, so often we want to talk and we want to ask. I want to encourage us to just take a moment and to listen to what God wants to speak to you today. Just take a moment. And as I sat in silence, and as I sat in that moment, I felt like God was saying, I am holy, bring me glory. I am holy, bring me glory. And when you grasp how holy he is and how our lives are but a vapor here and gone, it changes the way that you see yourself. 
and God in the best way. I think this whole message, this whole sermon can be wrapped up in this one verse, and it's Romans 121. And it says, yeah, they knew God. They knew him. But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like, and as a result, their minds became dark and confused. And this morning, I believe that there are some people in this room who know God, but they do not worship him and give him thanks truly. There is no relationship, and even if there is one, it is a broken relationship. And maybe you've clung on to this idea of God without praising and truly surrendering your life to him, without grasping his holiness. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? There's some some people in this room who are living more for themselves than they are for the holy, holy Savior of the world. And today needs to be the day that something changes. And that change is going to be you gratefully accepting the holy God of the world, our holy Savior, Jesus Christ, into your heart. And choosing to live a life that is so filled with the gratitude of what Jesus did for you, dying on a cross for you, that today you could say, Jesus, if you never did anything for me, that one thing was enough, Jesus. So if today is that day and you're saying, I want this to be a moment where I truly, truly not only know God, but I truly have a relationship that's honoring and I see his holiness and I see his glory. And I want to give my life to him. If that's you wanting to commit your life for the first time or you've run away and you want to come running back fully, praising him, thanking him, I'm going to ask on the count of three that you raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand this morning if that's you. All right, we're all going to pray together. Say, dear God, you are holy. Thank you. For sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I've made mistakes. I'm sinful. Please forgive me. Today I commit my life to you. I want to live for you. I want to be grateful in all things. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise this morning. If you did make this decision, we'd love to follow up with you. You can text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Tell somebody about it. Get in community. We want to cheer you on. And also the next step, if you're choosing to commit your life to Jesus, is to go public with water baptism. I think next week we have like six water baptisms. And so if, if you're wanting to do that as well, we will make it happen. Just let one of the pastors know. And Ty, he alluded to it earlier. During these, uh, this last worship song, we're going to have people that are off to the sides wanting to pray for you. And so I would just encourage you, if that's you this morning and you need prayer for anything, if you're struggling with anything or if you are you know, seeing somebody from afar, from a distance that, that you know needs prayer, don't hesitate. This is, this is the place to do it. Let's all stand and let's get ready to worship. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. 
For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.